0: The Emperor has approved your test demonstration, General Monk. Thank you, Lord Vader. What I unveil today will mark a new era for the Empire. We will be able to decimate the rebels just as we did the Jedi Knights. Dark Trooper, release. Hello and welcome to Smug and Play, and today we have a very special podcast because we're going to cover one game, go in depth on it, and it's the landmark release of February 1995, Star Wars colon Dark Forces.
1: And with me... (laughs) is my brother oh hi yes hi i'm austin i'm the co-host of this podcast and i have laryngitis and sitting directly on the opposite side of the earth from me is our special guest uh yeah hi i'm i'm
2: connor i uh i played dark forces back in the day that's my qualification um and
1: yeah i'm i'm here from from london so we just want to show that this is a worldwide phenomenon Already. Already. Yeah. Let's just let's just kick it off and talk about the, the origins of this game. I think I think it's uh probably clear to everyone, even those who are only sort of vaguely aware of this game, that it is a first person shooter set in the Star Wars universe, released in February of nineteen ninety-five. Let's let's talk a little bit about why LucasArts made this game. Tell me why. Anyone can anyone can jump in. Uh
0: because Doom made a
1: lot of Skrilla dollar, dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> Loads, yes. loads, absolutely. Loads. And and what happens, the people at LucasArts were seeing a lot of people in the emerging Doom modding community making Star Wars Doom mods, like uh, Death Star sequences, sequences from the you know earlier movies, uh, Inside Star Destroyers and things like that. And so they wanted to create an official game that was going to sort of capture that and allow you to sort of inhabit that world and to participate in the same way that they're sort of getting in on the space uh, shooter simulation game genre with uh, TIE Fighter and with X-Wing, they wanted to get in on first person shooters with a real Star Wars property.
0: Yeah, I'm just assuming George Lucas was like, okay, computers are ready for my creation. And then it kicked off all these games.
1: Fortunately, George Lucas was not involved in the development of these games. He must have greenlit it, though. I don't know. He was lighting things, but it it wasn't that, you know? I don't think he matters at all in this, really. I did read that
2: he played it and and wasn't actually a fan. He didn't like that you shot humans in it. That was his big contribution once the game was complete, was that... Stormtroopers are in suits uh, for a reason, so that you can slaughter loads of them on screen and it doesn't matter. And you've ruined it by like, having these officers and human-looking guys. Are they saying that no officer
1: ever gets shot in the Star exactly, Wars Exactly. Or planets destroyed, or bases full of tens of thousands of people. Right. Han doesn't shoot a, a guy in a green suit in the crotch. None of these things He's happen. He's an alien. He doesn't count. We're, we're racist here at Lucasfilm. Oh, that's right. Okay. Just to be
0: clear, brothers kissing sisters, okay. But <laughs> right. using blasters excessively is not. Whoa, okay. whoa,
1: whoa! Did you shoot a Nazi stand-in with a pistol? Whoa! I don't. I don't know if the world's ready for that. Are you saying stormtroopers? See, they're not actual. Yeah, they're Nazis. not. That's just. They're just British fascists. I think. <laughs> I mean, they are.
2: my my personal i I should share at this point i guess my personal you know the story that i remember of getting dark forces i I actually got it on christmas so it must have been christmas of 95 and we had just the first pc that ever appeared in our house we were mac house uh so the the very first pc we ever had um appeared at some point that year ostensibly for i believe algebra uh lectures that you could get on (laughs) cd-rom So within <laughs> oh, a few on. months yeah it was christmas and i got i was shooting human beings and uh got it on christmas and it was you know obviously i played it all day as you do and i remember going to bed and it was the very first time luckily this hasn't happened that much but the very first time in my life that uh i dreamed the game that i had been playing that day where i would close my eyes and feel that motion. And I'm sure some of that was due to the novelty of having a 3D shooter because I wasn't allowed Doom and Wolfenstein and anyway they went on Mac. But also just for how hardcore I was into that game that I would play it literally from morning to night. That was the, I think, probably the first time I'd ever done anything like that. Huh. That, that's my.
1: Yeah. That's my. And you got all r- the way to the sewer level. Got all the way to the sewer.
2: No, I think I did. <laughs> you know, I think I'd probably got to level four, but. <laughs> Yeah, in 10 hours.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I never had the full game uh, or never played the full game. I had the demo and we had to play it on, on dad's Pentium 60. And so we couldn't play it at night because like he would get home and it's hard to explain to your father that he can't use the computer because you need to urgently play a first person shooter. Uh, so I would play it in the morning before we had to go to school. Hmm. And the demo just has the prologue. You could beat it in I don't know, 10 minutes, even as, like, a an 8-year-old kid. And you really wanted to see the the cutscene. Yeah. And I was in a carpool going to school. And what I remember is, like, basically, our nanny had to pull me away from the game because I was like, I'm almost done, I'm almost done. And they're like, we need to go. Yeah, I caused a lot of of, of trouble that day. But it was, you know... For me, it was just getting to that cut scene. Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, it, it was cool to explain something from the Star Wars universe, universe how yeah. they got the Death Star plans. And then that scene where they load the dark troopers into their pods oh, yeah. before they shoot them out. Mm-hmm. That that gave me nightmares for years uh, after playing this game. I remembered it when I, when I opened up the game again.
2: Did you dream of being loaded into a pod and shot into space? I... I
0: I just think I was scared by any sort of like destructive robot type. I wonder what would have caused that. W- wonder what in your childhood would have would have created
1: that kind <laughs> show of. Show me on uh, the re- doll. Show me on the doll where they touched you. <laughs> there's no <laughs> where the robots touched. you. <laughs> there's no hiding from it anywhere. No, I'm just imagining you dreaming of you know being at your elementary school and then suddenly dark troopers just like appearing in the hallway and unloading with plasma rifles. Like man, that would be a pretty intense dream for a, a young person. I mean I I was playing this I was playing that same demo right alongside you on on our father's you know 60 megahertz Pentium with a with a number 9 graphics card of some sort and yeah just being entranced by it that that demo level which is just the first level of the game is such a an incredible compelling argument for what they did here You know, it's you feel like you're in the Star Wars universe. It has everything you expect from a first person shooter. It's taking Doom's mechanics and then elevating them. And it's so it's so immersive. It's it was such a good idea to use that as the demo because, yeah, you play that and you're like, I'm I'm playing this game now. I think the barrier to entry for this game was way lower than System Shock. Like System Shock, you really need to commit to it. You really need to understand how the interface works and it has like this whole separate cyberspace system and there's inventory management. This is a notch lower than that, but it's still challenging in terms of the puzzles and the exploration. So for for younger people to get into, this was was an easier game. It was also a, in
2: in terms of Star Wars content, like you didn't, have that many options outside of reading basically i mean you know i suppose there were comic books and and books and then there were the there were the space sims Mm -hmm. and that was it at this point wasn't it it? it's a
1: lull for star wars in the theaters right yeah this was this was the longest gap between star wars movies but for for interactive games though this is when lucas arts is making x-wing tie fighter you know this is this is it this is the peak I think, for Star Wars interactive entertainment.
2: Well, they were starting to milk it. Mm-hmm. And what was, I? I you know, I, I I, have a vague memory of, uh, this might have been the sort of rumor that gets started amongst, you know, 11-year-olds uh, or whatever. I, I had read, I may have this mixed up with Sierra, but I, I feel like there was a quote from LucasArts that said they wouldn't do a 3D shooter um, when Doom and Wolfenstein 3D had sort of, you know, shown the market potential Mm -hmm. for it. Um, But I, I I might have that mixed up with Sierra, but I, I I do remember being kind of surprised that there was a star Wars doom Mm -hmm. clone, a star Wars FPS, because you know, those, those FPSs, those were the murder simulators. Those were the point at a human being and kill it kind of, you know, uh,
1: scenarios uh, unique amongst games at that point. Yeah. First person shooters were really edgy content, whereas star Wars was mainstream. I'm not old enough to have watched Star Wars in the theaters originally, but so I probably watched it in some authorized TBS, you know, Thanksgiving special. That was probably my Star Wars exposure prior to that. But it was it was a mainstream thing; like everyone knew about Star Wars. Whereas Doom had this this edginess about it. It was about hell, man. It was like Judas Priest or something. well, <laughs> yeah, actually,
2: that's that is a good comparison to make. It, it was like Judas yeah. Priest. People sort of viewed it as this, you know, thing you do to piss off your parents. Mm-hmm all that devil shit they love that you right know? that's that's that that's the, the, the kid that that had doom or the kid that had uh, the judas priest record with the instructions for how to commit suicide backward mask on the track <laughs> not a real thing but um you know that that was like the the you you'd go over to their house to experience right. that because at least if you're me you, you don't have access to those things right
1: What Lucasarts brings to this, so you'd think that what they would do is simply, you know, license the Doom engine. Given that there's just absolutely zero experience on the Lucasarts team with first-person shooters, because they've done they've done flight simulators, basically, and point-and-click adventure games, There's they have no experience whatsoever in the first-person shooter genre, that they would just license the Doom engine from id, make some nice levels, throw it on a disc, and that would be it. But both from sort of a, a technical standpoint and also from an artistic and sort of like narrative standpoint, they really put the LucasArts stamp on this, incorporating their trademark sort of narrative style from their adventure games and their space simulations into the first-person genre and basically cooking up all the tech themselves from scratch
2: Uh, what must have been quite a significant cost compared to licensing doom which obviously loads of developers were doing or ended up doing well loads is loads right Uh, anyway it was getting
1: licensed yeah i mean i'm sure they could have gotten it for a lot less they ended up investing a whole lot more like man hours in the art and the music and the level design than they did actually in the engine but we should we should talk about that like the the technical foundation of Dark Forces is composed of it has it's like the the three legs on the stool. You have IMUSE, which is the dynamic music engine that is used in other Lucasarts games, both like Tie Fighter and and those space simulations, as well as their adventure games like Monkey Island Two. You have landrew which is their cutscene engine, which does a, sort of a, a blend of like animated things and full motion things, and then their completely new from scratch 3D engine for this game called Jedi. And it, it was written from scratch in, in two man years, basically. It was written in C to be portable. And it was, it was ultimately optimized for Pentiums. And it actually has a number of improvements compared to the Doom engine that were really pretty pretty impressive for the era. It makes you wonder if the, if this was a quirk of,
2: of, of LucasArts making that decision. I wish we knew why they'd made that decision to develop their own, but it, it might have something to do with uh, future intentions, like Scum having been the basis of, of, right. of quite a few games for them and sort of worked quite well for moving... Um, you know, for for developing games quickly. So they might have had grander aspirations for Jedi than than, um, what ended up happening.
1: Right, which is that it only gets used in one other game, which is Outlaws, and that's it. And then we never see the Jedi engine again. Alan, why don't you talk us through some of the improvements that LucasArts made, some some advantages that the Jedi engine has over the Doom engine.
0: Oh, the big one is, of course, jumping, which they use to great extent in this game. Um, But you can also duck, Mm -hmm. and you can swim on rivers or toxic waste or whatever and <laughs> with a current and the current can kind of yeah. blow you away in a direction you don't want to conveyor go. belts conveyor i mean right. it's just a different kind of river no it's <laughs> completely
1: different how dare you <laughs>
0: <laughs> they have things that crush you i mean yeah all, all sorts of
1: unique new things i mean they, they bump the maximum texture size up to 256 by 256 what was Doom? It was lower than that. We're going to have to look <laughs> it up. It was either 128 by 128 or 64 by 64, but it was a lot lower. Also, there's support for real 3D objects. So like Kyle Katarn's ship, I believe it's called the Crow or Moldy Crow. Like moldy Crow. The Moldy Crow. Oh God, is that some sort of sexual? Thing? Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like it. It sounds terrible. Uh, anyway, his ship, when it appears sort of in the level, that's a, that's a real 3D model. And the engine supports putting real 3D models into things. So you could have, you know, this really impressive graphical features that were actually separate from the, the other objects. There's lighting effects. And another thing just as important as being able to like duck and crouch is that what the people at LucasArts cooked up was actually something very similar to the build engine that would show up in 3D Realms games like Duke Nukem 3D and, and Blood and uh, Shadow Warrior later that allows you to... It doesn't have restrictions on how you put your structures together. You can have rooms on top of rooms. You can have arbitrary geometry. Whereas Doom... Doom was really just a small advance over Wolfenstein 3D. It still treats the floor... It basically renders floors, walls, and ceilings, whereas there are no such limits in the in the GI engine. You can you can build really realistic geometry, uh, and the only limitations uh, were in the renderer. The renderer couldn't couldn't actually display two rooms on top of each other at the same time. But you could build that, and so long as you structured the space so that you couldn't see both of them at the same time, you could you could do it. And that was actually a limitation that was removed in Outlaws. So This is this is an engine that has capabilities that are very, very similar to what you see in the build engine considerably later and allows for some incredibly creative level design.
2: And it's worth pointing out that at that time, Rooms Over Rooms was was discussed as a sort of uh, a standard of 3D engines and of of, of, of FPS games in general. Like if you had Rooms Over Rooms, uh, you were somebody. Otherwise, you were nothing.
0: Right. It made the game very different than Doom. Like the Doom, the levels are more linear, mm-hmm. whereas this there's all sorts of you go up on this level, you fall to that level, yeah, and it it just makes the game actually feel really different. Obviously, Quake would have all these features and more, but it wasn't for a long time. I mean, in terms of 1995 time,
2: Rooms Over Rooms was like the stepping stone. I feel between Doom and like what they called true 3D. I think uh, with Quake, yeah, that that was the that was the gold.
1: Standard before you could have uh, true 3D. Right. I mean, there's still there's still limitations like you can't have sloped surfaces, but any sort of rectilinear geometry you can imagine is possible, and that's a huge advance.
0: Yeah. And this game, I mean, technically it did a lot. Uh, you could like look up and down with page up and down, but yeah. it's still it's definitely very far from Quake on that one because when I did it, it was always very pixelated. I, it, at the end of the game, there are places where you can use it to mm-hmm. see down think, that that makes Lot of
1: sense. You almost have to use it both for sort of like scouting areas, and also the way that the way the vertical auto aim works in this game is very different, I feel, than Doom. Oh yeah, I
0: read that they like compute like a cone around like the center of your screen and just like kind of auto aim to the nearest target in that cone.
2: But I feel like auto aiming when you're on the same level as an enemy. This is this is something I, I noted down. Works differently and far better than when an enemy is above or below you. Like it feels like they yeah. may it worse mm-hmm. on purpose to sort of induce people yeah, to look to up force and down. you
1: yeah and you have you have you know things like those droids like the imperial probes and things like that that go way up in the sky and come way down and you kind of have to if you don't want to get destroyed by them you have to look up and down in order to target them it's too bad that they didn't make mouse look a thing. Mouse look is not a thing in this game. It's so frustrating. did Well, I, I, it wasn't a
2: thing any, in any game. Nobody had done
1: it. Yeah. One other thing about the semi-auto aim, I,
2: I, it just reminded me, even without mouse look, which obviously is the most natural, or certainly the, the, the thing I'm most used to now, to me it somehow kind of made the shooting more and not less satisfying than something like Doom, where is there even any of that? I don't know, but it's when you're firing these little narrow-layers, and there's some variation due to their accuracy, but that variation just always favors you. It's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're constantly getting lucky, which I liked. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's that is just because That's amazing though. about this.
1: <laughs> that's, that's, it could just be because I'm bad. No, but that, that, I think you embody the character of Kyle Katarn. <laughs> It gives you this amazing feeling of power that you can just like wreck the whole empire as one dude. Uh, that's that's part of what makes this game sort of sort of fun. Because we're talking about some sort of gameplay related things, why don't we just talk about gameplay before we talk about the cast? Is that is that agreeable? Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So the,
0: <laughs> I'm going to summarize the gameplay. Just jump in here, which is. You hold down the shift key which makes you run yes, and then you that's run necessary. at like 25 or 30 miles per well, hour. I'd say
2: 40. I'd say 40.
0: <laughs> so I just run around and like wait to hear the stormtroopers or whatever and then I know like okay I'm going to have to like drift
1: backwards and then Yeah. It's more like driving a car actually. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like Carmageddon. Yeah, what I, I just I just go, I only use my fist. I just use my fist. And then, <laughs> so you can configure WASD controls. It's it's almost perfect. If you could do vertical mouse look, you can do horizontal mouse look. And you can, if you could do alternate fire on the right mouse button, that, that everything would be perfect. But you can't quite do that. But what you can do is you can hold down shift and you can set up WASD controls and you can just circle strafe people while either shooting them or punching them in the face. Like I did that to the Kel Dragons.
2: Yeah, surprisingly effective. Punch a Kel Dragon dragon to death which i'm sure was a selling point also really really
1: ludicrous (laughs) on the face of it yeah but i mean so let's talk about some of the gameplay improvements over doom they carry they carry over a lot of stuff the keys are there oddly extra lives are there from wolfenstein they got rid of those in doom but this is this is life-based you you build up extra lives and if you die you come back until you consume them all and then it takes you back to the mission screen but in addition to in addition to sort of card key puzzles there are codes that you can pick up off of officers and you have to enter like these three sort of symbol codes into things and there are like complicated sequence puzzles oh god awful schematics of of mazes and um, horrible yeah. enormous sprawling labyrinthine levels that are just like yeah larger than any other game I've Played up until this point and in, in some cases sometimes there's like a breezy level and then other times you're in there for like a week yeah, yeah um i i read somebody saying that i mean we can talk about the levels but
2: i read somebody saying that they were stuck on the sewer level for 10 years which i <laughs> i don't i have a very distinctive memory from playing it as, yeah. as a as a kid of yeah that
1: that level was infinite it was just the never-ending level yeah the size of these things but that you know there's some platforming that uh that they make you do with the because you can duck and crouch uh and they're they're putting sort of interactive elements at different height levels you might have to jump into like uh i don't know (laughs) different things you jump into like holes
2: in the wall like weird little window slots weird you have to crouch while you're jumping and lots of sort of right, complex jumps uh well complex for the time i mean if you consider that people i mean certainly in in my peer group we're still playing wolfenstein um at right. this time that this was a level of mobility that was just far beyond and it, right you didn't think like oh why didn't they have vertical mouse look or why didn't you know because that was it was so it was such a step up anyway even from Doom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they basically took the best of Doom and then turned it to 11 and then added in all these other elements. It's it's like the craziest Doom mod. Doom had some sort of like dynamic geometry where you flip a switch and something might change. And then like they took that and they made the whole game about puzzles built around dynamic geometry. Um, it's really impressive. But also like I can imagine coming from Wolfenstein 3D, like you just said, incredibly overwhelming right?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, those puzzles were damn hard, too. Like, re- yes. Like, it's it's almost like a mesh of, you know, Doom and some of the worst... I mean, you know, I don't want to say they're all terrible, but some of the hardest puzzles in their point and clicks, you
0: know? Yeah. I, I liked how the the platforming puzzles are, like, impossible to execute perfectly. Like, mm-hmm. you, you have to accept some loss of falling or getting crushed by a... <laughs> By some sort of compactor. Yeah. It just seems like nobody could possibly execute them entirely
2: yeah. correctly. I'm convinced. So. I, I found a secret that I'm convinced is is impossible without
1: cheating uh, that involved a crusher. The crushers don't... They're not insta-kills, interestingly. No. Like, you hear the sound of all of your bones breaking, but if you have <laughs> yeah. enough shields, you can actually survive. It's weird. Like, Kyle Katzard is this incredible Superman. Yeah. So, it, we should... We should Definitely note that unlike in Doom and Wolfenstein 3D, where the object is just to get to the level exit, you have mission objectives and there are a variety of different kinds of objectives, you know, finding someone, planting uh, explosive charges, uh, different things that you have to do in each level before you're able to usually return to sort of where you started and then and uh, fly out.
0: At some point you fall and you lose a minute because you have to backtrack
1: to wherever you were. Oh my God, which is, uh, falling. so much of that falling is falling is so sad. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, you have levels where you're, uh, you know, sneaking on to, you know, you're stowing away and stuff. And that's, that's a very, right. No, that would, that, that's so novel given the, the level of, you know, what, what kind of interaction or what kind of uh, mission structure you would have. I mean, if you could even call it that mm-hmm. shooters at, at that point were, really really experiential you know it was just like hey look you you can point at something and and
1: a bullet will come out and you'll kill it yeah who needs who needs narratives and characters and like motivations? It's just you're being overwhelmed by just the incredible like experience of what's essentially virtual reality. But Lucasarts was like, no, 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 that's not enough. It needs to be immersive in a, in a narrative way, and you need to have specific goals for each level, and those have to tie into the overarching story. And like,
2: yeah, that's such a given now. And it was like this, this was the proof. D- Dark Forces was yeah. the, was the proof that you you improve your game by having these elements.
1: Yeah, I mean, they could have phoned it in. Like if they had just licensed the Doom engine and made a level pack that had some Star Wars themed graphics, it still would have sold. I mean, Alan and I have played already a number of horrible Doom clones uh, or games that say that they're Doom clones on the podcast and no no one is investing this sort of effort in actually pushing the genre forward. Everyone else is just cashing in on the success of Doom.
0: Am I allowed to make a criticism of the uh Please. of the tech and the engine though? Please. Yeah. I, I feel like the unit rendering is like good enough quality for stormtroopers and officers, but when like bosses show up <laughs> like the dark trooper, which we'll talk about yeah. soon, like it's just not detailed enough. It's too too pixelated.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they've made them big and they the texture's the same size and yeah.
1: Yeah, it's the same resolution. Well, yeah it- I mean, there are a couple problems. Like, one is that the design of the larger characters are just, they don't pop. Like, the the Phase 1 Dark Trooper is, like, impossible to see against most backgrounds. Because it's just, like, kind of black and white and spindly. And then, like, the Dragon is maybe the ugliest thing. Not ugly, like, in terms of, like, the actual creature I imagine to be ugly. But, like, just the sprite. It's just this big poop with a face, <laughs> I mean, you,
2: you don't have to worry about offending uh, Kel Dragon fans. I, I don't think that. I mean, That's right. it's an ugly creature to begin with. It is a loathsome. Right. Loathsome is a neutral term. It is a loathsome-looking <laughs> thing to begin with, but they've they've rendered it in a way that um, makes it loathsome on a technical level, rather yeah. than
1: the intention. I think and the only good thing about the Kel Dragon is that it seems to be weak to face punching. And that's all you want to do. I just, I just run back and forth at 40 miles per hour, punching it in the face. Uh, (laughs) Or circle strafing it. It's like the empire was not prepared for circle strafing. You show up. You show up with a WASD keyboard. You know, could, and, uh, and that's actually and
2: a, a point worth making is that I, you know, you know, I can't say uh, that everybody listening will know this time, but you know, there was a time when circle strafing was not just new; it was something that uh, that like right. you you didn't have to do to be good at a game or to beat yeah. a game. And this, I include, I never did this. I never strafed when I played this originally. I played with the
1: arrow keypad. Yeah, there are a few people in the Silicon Valley equivalent of the Shaolin Monastery who were practicing (sighs) the secret technique of circle strafing in the early 90s, you know, so they could whack people on Dwango. (laughs) Yeah, Doom Doom multiplayer players pretty much. And I think that's about it. talk about the cast now
0: or well i i want i sense a disturbance in the forest which is that we're going to give a lot of spoilers so we should give that disclaimer if if you haven't played the game i really recommend you can buy it on steam or gog.com is an easy way of getting it and you can
1: support lucasarts or whoever owns them now I I want to spoil this ruthlessly, because as much as one of the defining sort of characteristics of the game is that it is narrative driven, I feel like the narrative is in some ways utter crap. And and the premise is just like completely stupid, like, but, but we'll get to that in the characters. I'm specifically Rom Mox motivations confuse me. Um, (laughs) But let's talk about He's he's a great character though. He, he is. He's, he's, he's good he even playing. has he's, his own action figure, which we'll talk about later. But oh, that's wild! All right, I know. Um, I didn't believe it myself, but Jan Orr's doesn't, which is a crime. Yeah. So the the main character of this game is Kyle Katarn. Originally, apparently, according to various interviews this game was going to feature Luke Skywalker. And you're going to play through Luke Skywalker's sort of most meaningful sort of scenes, you know, f- from his eyes, basically in the game. But they realized that if they did that, they'd be constrained to what Luke Skywalker actually does in the series. And so they, they wanted to not have that constraint. And they went with sort of an original fictional character, who is Kyle Katarn. Alan, you want to read the uh, description of Kyle Katarn's background? <laughs> Okay,
0: before the game begins, Katarn was a student learning the skills required to follow in his father's career
1: of agricultural mechanics. Yeah, is that... I don't know what that means. Is that, is that moisture farming or whatever? Whatever. It's pretty much. I don't know. Pretty much. Yeah, evaporators.
0: While he was studying at an academy, he was told by officials that rebels had killed his parents. Uh, the pain from that uh, caused him to enlist in the Imperial Army. Subsequently, Katarn met Jan Ors, a rebel working undercover as a double agent in the Empire. So she's a spy. Uh, Ors uncovered the real information about Katarn's parents' death, that the Empire was behind it. The Empire eventually discovered that Ors was working for the rebels and she was taken prisoner. And then Katarn helps her uh, escape. And so he, you know, both of them are out of the Empire. And he becomes this mercenary with with, you know sketchy allegiance to anything. Um, so I, you know, I said that he basically becomes like a ripoff
1: of Han Solo. Well, he's, he's kind of, he's originally a kind of a, he has a, a bit of a Luke Skywalker background. Then they kind of turn him into Han Solo. And then ultimately he's sort of like Finn from the Disney star Wars movies, all sort of wrapped into one. I,
0: so, the thing about Kyle is in, in the opening cutscene, you know, they really play with this thing. Senator Monmothma, who is like the rebel, I'm going to say leader for now. I'm not sure if that's true. But so Monmothma, like, says, Well, you know, if you really are still with us, Kyle. And I think they really wanted to, like, play mm-hmm. with this. Right. But then yeah. they realized they only had the budget and time to make one really long cutscene. So, the, I, I think they just had to abandon, like, this whole interesting storyline that they really wanted to play with right and they do do it in the manual a little bit if you read the manual there's like a there's just like a two-page thing from jan is like basically writing that like oh we can trust kyle i know like he has this you know complex background but we can trust him Uh, although in the rebellion, I mean, they let Luke Skywalker fly an X-wing had never flown before. They're just like, whatever, you know, like
1: we need to fight a battle. So, yeah. So I don't, you know, it's pretty loose over there. I mean, they don't have insurance anyway. They're all flying dirty over (laughs) there. So you might as well let them.
2: Yeah.
1: Stolen registration on every single one of them. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they filed off the bin numbers. So, um, I wanted to add that Kyle Katarn, so this game is a talkie in that it has a lot of voice acting. It's not complete, like the, the mission briefing text is frequently not voiced, but Kyle Katarn's voice by Nick Jameson, whose credits include Russian President Yuri Suvarov on 24. He's also the voice of Grand Moff Tarkin in, in X-Wing, and he's the voice of Max in Sam and Max, which is such a different sort of vocal style yeah um, that's interesting
0: hmm wow <laughs> the last thing i want to say about kyle is like i think they want him to look tough but they really don't like Pull it off. There's actually there's a scene later where he and Jan are abducted by Jabba, and and Kyle just says like, "If you touch Jan, I'm going to stick my blaster down your throat," which sounded more sexual (laughs) than intimidating. Well, who wouldn't be
2: attracted to Jabba the Hut? He tell yeah, right. (laughs) The man is the man. The whatever he is is absolutely a smoldering sex bomb.
1: Yeah. Um very erotic that scene page. that one. Yeah. That's <laughs> a it's a extremely sexually charged scene. Between. with Java on hologram <laughs> yeah. trying to remotely intimidate with about three frames of Ketan. animation of his mouth moving. <laughs>
0: through, uh, repeating. But I realized halfway through the scene that oh, they can just take any video of Java and put any captioning below right. it. I just realized that in the middle. (laughs) Yeah, it's like it's probably just reused footage.
1: Oh, yeah. I think, no, no, they just cut, they pulled that right out of, they pulled that right out of Jedi. I mean, some of the, some of the cutscenes actually, some of the art from the cutscenes in this game are just stolen from X Wing. So there's a lot of recycled content in here, not just from the actual, like movies, but also from LucasArts' own Star Wars games.
2: The, the, the stolen FMV thing just reminded me, because of course, Rebel Assault, a, a lot of its sort of Darth Vader scenes, for example, and stuff were basically just like stolen off a print of the film or whatever. Right, yeah. you know, they, they, they didn't even animate a new Darth Vader. They just kind yeah. of screenshot it, right. which I think they might have done also in Dark Forces. Most
1: of... so. The arts in, in Dark Forces is all drawn by, I want to say, Jason Chen. Just Jason Chen, I think. Just a hero.
0: Chen. I mean, he writes the whole story and he's yeah. the lead artist.
1: I know, he's the lead artist. He wrote the story. He like he killed himself over this game. And yeah, he I think he did an amazing job. One of the characters he did an amazing job on was Jan Orr's who we introduced before as the double agent. She's a spy. She Kyle Katarn demands that she be the kind of mission leader for this investigation into this new imperial weapon. And her character isn't really developed. There's one, there's one level where you have to rescue her. But I, at least in this game, I was so happy that they didn't force a love uh, story on her, that like the end of the game wasn't like the Superstar Destroyer blowing up and then like the two of them kissing, because I could imagine I can imagine other developers going there, but Yeah, I
0: think hinting at
1: it was good though. I mean
0: when you save Jan, doesn't he say like no time for hugs? Yeah, exactly. You you,
2: you want that level of especially in at this era of games, it's not like you're gonna really accomplish a romance, <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> well, they they knew they couldn't pull off a believable one, so they didn't tack on a you know, an unbelievable one. So I was I was glad mm. that they showed yeah. that restraint. Smart. Yeah. Moving on to my favorite character, Ram Mach, who is a, a general for the Empire. So his backstory is that he's one of the few Imperial generals who thought that the this that the Death Star was a bad idea. Like he he was opposed to the Death Star, like spending bill or something he opposed the appropriations for the Death Star because according to the game, he thought that the only glory is in like man on man, like one on one combat and only wanted to invest in weapons that would elevate personnel combat, like infantry combat. And so he pushes forward this his own weapons program called the Dark Trooper Project which is to basically turn stormtroopers into super soldiers with these like crazy exoskeletons. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense at all. Like it seems like, I mean, I, I, whatever. What do you, what do you guys think of Rom's plan here? Okay. The the idea
2: of a dude with that philosophy being part of the empire is, uh, it it raises some questions to me about (laughs) the, the empire itself. Like how, (laughs) how are they not, not just how are they in power do, you know, with with dudes right. like this uh, somewhere near the top, but also just at, at what point was was there not a tech race aspect to what they were doing with weapons and armies and stuff? I mean, there's, the Clone Wars were in the past in the first right. movie ever made, and right. this takes place after the yeah. first movie generally. And, and what they learned
1: from the Clone Wars is – we should just threaten the whole planet with a giant weapon that can blow it away in an instant. Why do we need to, you know, field troops and have to move yeah, troops from one system to another? And yeah, it's it's
2: clones, volume two. But then you have to sympathize because they obviously didn't want him to create an army of um of, of Kel dragons uh, or something uh, <laughs> yeah. that would really bring down the of end of highly the highly trained Kel dragons. <laughs> <laughs> actually i would have been really that would that. have been actually that would have been awesome
1: that's gonna be my new dark forces mod it's called the the, the kell threat nothing but kell Kel wars i i mean i just i think that the empire has a performance management problem is my thing like i can't imagine rom at board meetings and things like that and and I, it's weird how indulgent of his bizarre like ideas darth vader is darth is just like hey you know let rom be rom you know like let's just let's just let rom work on this project yeah it's expensive and it doesn't make any sense but you know let's just let him go ahead he can do some trials let's let him let him murder some people on some like distant rebel bases like some rebel bases we don't really care about let's let's have him do that if that goes well you know we'll see see like Rom's a good guy. Like I like Rom, you know, like Rom's Rom's been here for a long time. Um, you know, Rom's very tenured and I think that he's paid his dues. And we just need to give him a little bit of time, a little respect, a little space, and I think Rom's gonna do great things for the Empire. Folks, I, I met General Rom. He's he's a very
2: handsome general. He's straight out of central casting. <laughs> he's, he's so handsome and he's so large.
1: And these <laughs> folks, these generals they're they're just so large. And and You should see this guy in cutscenes. He takes up like two thirds of the screen. <laughs> it's amazing. It's funny though, if you see his action figure. So he, he has an action figure, two thousand nine or so, they make an action figure of him and he's really slim down and, and he started dying his hair, which is good. It's good to see, you know, Rom taking care of Rom. He he did didn't he have like a sort of Mao say Tung kind of uh, Yeah. Hairstyle? Yeah he's kinda of cut that rim, you know. <laughs> He's kind of half Picard, half Mao, kind of can't decide, you know, he's not, but he's not doing a comb over, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a power yeah, I, style. But it, it was definitely, uh, it, he, he'd given it some
2: body. I, I feel it was much closer to Mao than to, than yeah, to Patrick Stewart. It does. It has, like he, it he, has,
1: it definitely has some, th- has it some depth, depth thickness. to toilet, toilet seat uh, <laughs> ring. Let's just cut out everything about the game and just talk about Rom. <laughs> just Rom. Just, roast, <laughs> just <roast laughs> Rom's look. <laughs> He's the worst. He is the worst. He makes Grand Moff Tarkin look like Herman Gehring. You know, like anyway. That's Rom. Actually, yeah. An, a,
2: another another Maltsev tongue character. Yeah, that's the. I wonder if if Lucas has a no, it's not Lucas, um, but if somebody somebody at at, at Lucas uh, just really doesn't like Mao and and why why
1: yeah great, great hair best he's got the ridge. So Rom's boss, Darth Vader, is also in this. He's as I said, he's very supportive of Rom's of Rom's plan as
0: the mild middle manager type. <laughs> I mean, at the end. When, when the factory for these dark troopers blows up, yeah. Darth Vader's just like, well, that's an unfortunate setback. <laughs> He's yeah, not like, I'm going to kill a- all my generals, which is what I expected.
2: Yeah, he is a bit of an Elon Musk on this one. He's like, oh, well, you know... We've, we, we've made 16 straight losses you know
1: we keep losing whole bases it's, but it's whatever it's whatever i know it, the arc hammer explodes you're just like man kyle katarn he's good <laughs> Where? that kyle katarn that boy he's going he places should, he should. i just imagining just sticking his lightsaber in <laughs> rom's mouth and hitting the on button you know like you know rom <laughs> Rom, I went to bat for you. You really screwed up this time. I went to bat for you at the last board meeting, Rom. You know what this makes me look like, Rom? (laughs) Anyway. Our shareholders will be pissed. (laughs) It's an unfortunate (laughs) setback.
2: Oh, God. Yeah, but Darth, yeah, that's right. You expect him, you expect a bit of carnage. You expect to see Rom you know, laid low or or something at the end, but Darth just kind of like strokes his chin and goes, that dude's good. Yeah. Well,
1: I mean, (laughs) can't wait to see. more. Sorry. (laughs) Rom is dead at the end. Wait, wait, is dead. dead. Oh, of course. That's true. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Darth shouldn't be pissed off. At Rom.
2: And and not just at Rom, but at anybody who enabled him and yeah, exactly. You sort of expect like, how did this happen or something right, exactly. like that
1: coming from him?
2: He doesn't even <sighs> give a
1: a He's yeah, very, a thought he's very to philosophical that. about it. So there's some others. So there's some Star Wars fan service in here, some appearance of of some well loved characters. Java, um, Heartthrob of the series. Everybody's got a poster of him. Yeah, Absolute Dream (laughs) Boat. Just steam symbol of the early 1980s. (laughs) And. (laughs) <laughs> also boba fett a minor character in the star wars extended universe no one cares about no one, <laughs> no one likes them. them they're not making movies about him no anymore. one is a completely irrational fan of for no goddamn his reason. toys are always being liquidated one cent auctions on ebay yeah he's yeah. in here and uh and some of your favorite uh rebels mon mothma as alan mentioned Crix made dean and um fan favorite and trap specialist admiral akbar yeah y- yeah i forgot he was in there he's
2: just it's enough for a cameo and that's about it his was his voice really off he, he, he sounded completely oh, different oh
1: yeah like, it's to, oh it's not
2: he? akbar was not no. even close and how do you screw up akbar anybody can do an <laughs> akbar right i thought it's basically Richard Nixon, but like with that slightly <laughs> Richard, higher... Richard
1: Nixon is a sea creature. <laughs> <laughs> is it cruel to
0: say, like, Crix maybe, and I know like, he's in the, the movies, but he looks like a melted Mark Hamill <laughs> with more hair?
1: <laughs> <He> t- <laughs> it is. The answer to your question is yes, it is mean to say that, but it's also somewhat accurate. I mean,
2: I, I don't want to diss on, on Justin Chin's achievements, <laughs> Much because he, he you know he really did yeah. uh, pretty much single handedly right. put together this game um, and and did a yeah. very impressive job. But um, Crick, Crick struck me in in the beginning as kind of all powerful. It, it was a little bit like oh yeah, Cricks found out all this other stuff and yeah, like as so we're gonna go here yeah. next. And it was always. It, it yeah. always felt a little bit like, man, Crix seems pretty well placed to just like, I don't know, like kill Darth Vader. Know, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? wait, like he's, it, oh. he's, 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 he's got guys everywhere. He knows everything that's happening in this damn right. empire.
1: Crix, Crix, Crix. You're always talking about Crix, Mon Mothman. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's talk through the the levels that, and and through the story just quickly. So, first, the first level, which is also the demo level, you steal, it's called Operation Skyhook Part 2, and it's it's brief, but it, the action starts right away. You immediately hear the amazing sound design and the iMuse system kicking in, giving you sort of a, some background music and then the big orchestral like hits when you actually get into firefights and you just you steal the death star plans and then you head back onto your ship and that's it like it's an incredible showcase of like what this experience is going to be like but that's only level 1 even
0: Kyle says it was too easy yes it is <laughs> yeah. easy and it was it it,
2: it is too easy But a couple couple things that really hit you in the face in the beginning and and make it an effective demo as well is you get the true 3D objects absolutely smacking you in the face from the beginning. You have the moldy crow. You also have mouse spots, Mm -hmm. which is a really clever way to be like, hey, we've got 3D characters just barely.
1: There's only... You know, five polygons on this thing, but it's a three—it's a true three D thing. Yeah, the performance of the engine is is not high enough for real three D models to have a lot of them, but they put them in neat little places. Like there are Tie Fighter models that show up when you get to the Superstar Destroyer, which is awesome.
2: Yeah, that's that's a mind blowing bit. Far yeah. too late in the game, but at least you get mouse spots in the first one, and also that that hologram that you can walk through of the Death Star
1: is like, dude, I I would stand in that and watch the little dots go around. And just be like, whoa. <laughs> I don't know why that was impressive. Yeah, they're
2: actually moving in 3D. You can stand inside yeah. it. You know, it's like that's that was an amazing step. So it was yeah.
1: dots, but it was amazing. So after you beat that first level, you're thrown into the uh, Talay attack base because there's been this odd attack by Imperial troops that's unlike somehow normal attacks on rebel bases are and you're there to investigate and this is an introduction to um puzzles that use large spinning kitchen instruments of which you'll find many in this game it's basically like like a blender or sort of a hand mixer paddle that they put in some sort of usually liquid it could be ice water it could be sewage uh it could be just regular (laughs) water but there's always a switch and it turns it on and starts blending And you sort of have to jump on it and ride it but you can you can There's like dynamic geometry that you can control, and you can like actually ride on this dynamic geometry. Yeah, that was pretty mind blowing in an FPS. And that's all that level exists to do is to sort of introduce that gameplay concept.
2: I I also think it was one of the better levels for atmosphere because you've got, you know, you've got charred skeletons and blast marks and actual sort of environmental storytelling rather than just being told, hey, this is a base that got massacred. It sort of feels that way, which is more than you can say for some of the levels. Yeah, it's got that kind
1: of like, charred uncle sprite from other star wars games
2: yeah and that's actually that's actually a a a decent you know that's that's a pretty new thing for a for for a shooter or indeed for any game really to have that kind of environmental
1: storytelling, as they call it nowadays. So then you move on to Anouette City, the subterranean hideout, which is also known as the sewer level, where you're trying to find the secret lab of an imperial weapons specialist who for some reason thinks that a really good work environment would be a room with no windows buried deep within a sewage plant.
2: I mean, that's that's where I normally work. I, <laughs> it's good for know, focus. I'm, I'm
1: freelance, but mo- most of my jobs are windowless rooms <laughs> in the sewers. Okay, so maybe Maybe, maybe it is too realistic. Um I don't know I beat this this time. I don't know if I ever beat it when I was younger, but I beat it. I don't know exactly how I beat it. I kept on going through the sewers using my using my laser pistol to light up where I was, sometimes finding panels that seemed to slowly raise the sewer level step by step in this one room and eventually I found his lair. I don't know how or why. Yeah, it was a, it was a
2: there was a definite difficulty spike there, but I did I did get through it with yeah. a hack. Uh, even as a child I did, but it was, it was far yeah, too long. You have
1: to, while you're like shooting through the sewer at 9,000 miles per hour, you have to like take a turn that you can't see. I think I definitely had to
0: turn on the map at some point because yeah. there were just like little, yeah and, little gaps that you need to go through that you just didn't see. And, yeah.
1: And that's a great thing. You just hit tab and you have a map overlay and yeah. it ruins your frame rate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I noticed a very memorable enemy
2: in in this one as well the uh, the sewer monster i don't know the name but you know the yeah. one with the eye on the stalk that yeah. pops up that's that's another thing that like sort of sticks with me from my childhood. It's
1: just this tiny little eye. And then when you shoot it, there's an enormous amount of guts that suddenly appear, uh, wherever it died. Yeah. Great sound. Yeah. The the sound design in this game is just exceptional. All the sounds, all the sound effects, the soundscape that they create is so like the movies. That's why I think it's so immersive that combined with the dynamic uh, soundtrack through i Yes.
2: Yes. And, and the enemy barks even are, are, uh, are really pretty good. And, and, Memorable, but not in a you know this annoyed me yeah.
1: way. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm
0: going to dissent here. You know, I I like the Shadows of the Empire one a lot better, which is sampled. Oh, really? I know.
1: Okay, I mean, but
0: you know, they they only sold this game on CD-ROM. They could yeah, have but, given us some yeah. real John Williams, but was it, directed di- but
1: was it dynamic? Stuff. In in Shadows of the Empire, because that's what's cool about this is that there's sort of like this there are light motifs and things that it kicks in when the firefight starts up that really gets you pumping, and then it, when there's a, a lull again and you're exploring again, then the orchestra sort of goes back into this sort it's,
0: of it's definitely triggered by stuff, yeah. but it's not yeah like every every single room it, you walk into. It's to. not always perfect. but you know, my, my whole role on this podcast is to say that games one
1: year after are better than the current <laughs> game we're talking about. Well we'll get so. to the Shadows of the Empire soon enough, but okay then. The there's planet fest the imperial weapons research facility this is where we see some really unfair platforming challenges yeah there's there's
2: one notable thing about it Uh, i think it's the first is it the first level where you really start outside a facility in cliffs or rocks or something that's easily renderable in you know this kind of early stage of of uh, Mm -hmm. 3d engine design and sneak into an actual sort of building or or facility and do your mission and then Mm -hmm. go back out and i think that's um that's a level structure we hadn't really seen much of and also it gives you a sense of place with these buildings and and things that you're sneaking into it's sort of you feel like you're sneaking into something instead of just being dumped somewhere where you've got some guys to shoot
1: yeah i mean structurally i i love it but this is one of those cases where i don't know if dark forces has brilliant level design or terrible level design because they combine these awesome sort of macro elements like the the mountain range and the weapons facility really nicely but then like within it it's all these really unfair platforming challenges with like you know 6 inch wide ledges that you can't really see that you're trying to jump onto and then like within the weapons facility some of the important rooms that you need to access in order to progress are like up tiny little like foot-wide staircases. Yeah, there's a lot of um there there are a lot of like control panels
2: and stuff that are that are uh, in in um ventilation shafts <laughs> that like a guy would have to crawl into <laughs> to switch <laughs> the fan off or whatever. I, yeah,
1: there's some so sometimes the level design I think is a little over Well, you can you can blame the empire sure. for that
2: though. They're you, they're not known for, you know, their sort of humanist uh,
1: office design. Right. Yeah, I mean guys like Rammock are are given a lot of leeway. So, <laughs> yeah, there's there, there's a Ron Mock of architecture out there
0: doing his yeah. thing on these <laughs> facilities. <laughs> right, he's some sort of conceptual artist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is the first level where I think it some point in the facility like I just fell somewhere and actually couldn't progress and I just had to like kill myself with a thermal detonator <laughs> and then it would like put me kind of right in the back the right the right path again
2: they're, they're generally pretty good about giving you an out but yeah there's there's always one yeah there's always one spot you can fall like that um I this this might be a good point to mention that I I did read that they hired UC Berkeley architecture students for level design oh really um, because LucasArts didn't have any 3d artists yeah they, uh, I know, you know it's
1: amazing they made this game and that they decided to build it all themselves when it's like oh we don't actually have any yeah. of the people to do this
2: yeah I mean obviously they were making these flight games but like they literally they just didn't have any sort of a 3d environmental right know-how so it was students um and yeah I, th- I think there are moments they really got right and things like the grammar of architecture you s- you know things are starting to feel like a little more like buildings a little more like places that somebody might work or or whatever but obviously with a lot of uh we gotta have this because it's a game, and we gotta have platforming, or it's right. a game, and we gotta have uh, ventilation. There to know, be ventilation ducks.
1: shafts and ducts. Yeah. So the next level is the Gromus Mines, where they mine something called Frick. This is apparently like a a metal, which is used in Dark Trooper construction. And this is the level where we first encounter a Dark Trooper, but I believe a Dark Trooper Phase 1, which just looks like T-1000. T-800. T-800. T-800 from the Terminator series. Yeah. And it just is a, a metal skeleton that you can't see against Imperial backgrounds that is just a bullet sponge and is lots yeah. of fun. Yeah,
2: but there were, there were some cool uh, big, big 3D drills, you know, drills the size of
1: buildings. That was, yes. was kind of neat. Yeah, those are fun. They're great, some great environmental puzzles in that one.
2: Oh, oh, one other thing. Sorry, yeah. one other thing in, in level five. There were some rooms, I think this was the first level that I noticed, where there were laser blasts that ricocheted mm-hmm. in some rooms, which, which, oh, I yeah, thought was really unnecessary and didn't, didn't actually add much gameplay wise, but it's a right. nice
1: bit of flair. References the series, there's a nice bit of flair. Uh, also, like how your weapons light up dark areas and that combined with the yep. ricochets is really neat. The Imperial Detention Center is another extremely complex level, multiple floors, no way you could do anything like this in Doom. Basically, Crix Medine, after leaking all this information to you, gets caught and thrown into jail. And Kyle and Jan feel bad. Like they are somehow contributed to this and they should bust them out. So you you do that. And there's the detention center really references the, the first movie, A New Hope, when they rescue Leia. It has a scene with that layout and you're firing your laser blasters in there and, and their ricochets. And it's it's yeah. pretty cool. It's also one of the first places where they start putting random landmines everywhere, like prox mines everywhere. Just like a guard,
2: you know, a stormtrooper standing uh, 15 feet away around a
1: corner right. <laughs> from a live mine. Anti personnel mine. Yeah. And when you beat this, you get one of the better cutscenes.
0: Well, I just liked how, you know, Vader's like, hey, Mock, Kyle's better than you. <laughs> and then at the end. <laughs> He's my new
2: friend. He's my new
0: friend. Mock's like, well, Kyle's weak. He'll never be here, <laughs> even though all the evidence is to the contrary. And then at the end, there's like less than a second of boba fett right. being like yo i'm boba
1: hey check me out yeah he sort of steps out <laughs> of the shadow for four frames and is like hi guys i'm gonna be getting killed about three levels from now <laughs> the Ramsey's docking port kyle Setty thing this was one of my least favorite levels i beat it in like a second running through i mean not a second but you know i beat it in a few minutes and like The way they transition between you being in a building and like like a docking port and then being on a ship is that you go through a special door, which is a docking port, and then you go into another room that has white walls instead of dark walls. And it, it doesn't create the illusion at all that you've gone from like a building into a spaceship. No. And so I just, I got really confused. I didn't realize I was actually already yeah, on that, the ship. Yeah, that wasn't clear to me. You
2: do get pig, uh, pig guards in this one, though. Those those guys are cool. Good sounds yes. coming out
1: of those right. guys when they you, you punch them and they squeeze and it's good fun and the dudes with three eyes that just like to lob thermal detonators at you from oh yeah 10, that's god those away. guys
2: have arms like like randy johnson like it's just way too good with those i mean <laughs> that's actually a gameplay point the thermal detonator
1: throwing is, is <laughs> the arc is just ridiculously short yeah unless you're one of those enemies if it's you then you're always bouncing it off a wall and killing yourself but if it's the enemy it's yeah they,
2: they just have absolute you know dead eye
1: aim with those those damn things
2: so the level after this is the ice level, the robotics construction facility on Antiv. I liked the uh, the outside again. The inside was pretty samey to me, but there was a secret cave shaped like yeah. Max the rabbit's head. Uh, when you open up the map and mm. having found it, you're like, "Hey, it's Max!" Um, yeah, I just liked that.
1: Oh, I got it. Yeah. Oh, that's cute.
2: Yeah, huh. typical LucasArts cross promotional Easter egg. When you get to curse and you've got that dead Grim Fandango guy, that's another example I can think of. Yeah, there's, yeah. they like to cross promote in their Easter eggs. Oh, also, also, one other thing a humanoid shaped hologram like the Darth, uh, like the, uh, Death Star one, that was that oh, was yeah. that was very That's cool. The
1: second, the second hologram, yeah, which you see in a room that you have to you have to shoot a target while you're on the conveyor belt in order to yeah, open it's the door. A bit much, and, but it was cool to see. Yeah, oh, it's awesome. It's an awesome set piece. The next level, da is quite quite boring. But what's important is that Kyle is is captured, <laughs> and this is when at the cutscene is when the hologram of Java tries to uh, intimidate him, and they have that very tense exchange. Um, in the next level, Kyle is thrown into the pit with the Keldragon, Dragon, the ugliest <laughs> sprite i have ever seen it's just like i said it's like a it's like a pile of shit with a face on it that just roars and runs and jumps at you very ugly but very weak to face punching it's it's, it's refreshing though to fight with your fists because i feel like
0: at the end of this game like the levels that come after you just bombard people with mortars and use missiles like it's, you're just like trying to stay your distance away and blow
1: them away with some artillery yeah. give everyone space the, con- the concussion rifle which used improperly will destroy you but used at a distance on large numbers of troops just absolutely wrecks everything really cool weapon that i did like also in this
2: level that the sort of the grammar the the, the architectural sort of uh, language of this one was was pretty different it, it did feel like okay i'm in a job of the hut kind of place rather than an empire kind of place lots of sort of curved yeah, it, right curved at least the walls, wall
1: textures wide stairs it just feels like a different yeah. kind of set of tunnels I got so lost in here because first there's, you have to find your gear, which is this weird sprite. Yeah, it made no sense. And you have to jump. You can't just walk under it. You can't just walk into it. I did, I'm like, I shot at it and I'm like, okay, well, it's not an yeah, enemy. Yeah, I thought it was like a um, dead person or something. And then I jumped and I got it. And then, and then to find Jan, you have to go, you go down this place and you see a prox mine sitting on a wall. And then there's this, like these two stalls that don't look like anything. And to find Jan, you got to jump over the prox mine into this like separate stall that has a little hole cut out in the floor that you can't see until after you jumped and you go through the floor into the separate detention area. And that's where Jan is. I looked at my map and I was like, "Well, this is the only place I haven't really looked at. I might as well go." And then you like fall through the floor and magically you're in the right spot. But I was like, "Uh." That
2: that that was where I started looking at facts a little bit like, yeah. more to to get through these levels. Um, yeah, that one especially.
1: Yeah, and uh, the the level after that is imperial city coruscant this is the one where you fight boba fett after solving this incredibly difficult like uh nested rings puzzle to get at some that computer awful
0: i just like the mission concept where Dan's yeah. like oh you're just gonna like go
1: into imperial headquarters like it's dangerous i don't have to right. tell you that but like you know you'll kill them all yeah i mean you've already killed about 10 million people at this point what's the what's an entire sort of you know imperial city to you and then you're gonna kill boba fett even though he has like jump jets and rocket launcher you're just gonna kind of circle straight from and take him down from the air with a stormtrooper so, rifle so this
2: is the first time in games that you kill boba fett not the last is it i'm pretty sure yeah is it the first time i mean i didn't i didn't fact check that but it feels right i don't think boba was yeah. in any in any of the atari ones yeah and
1: that's this is as far as i got well i can tell you everything else i mean after that it's just you go to places that have way too many Dark Troopers, I think, and not just like the Phase One, but the Phase Two Dark Troopers. Yeah, so so this is where I started uh, playing
2: Invincible. <laughs> um, so so you um, you hijack a smuggler ship while it's at a fuel station, and I think, it, as I recall, it wasn't there wasn't a lot to that. It's a fuel station, so it's kind of dull. It was a little bit like the um the yeah. smuggler faci- whatever this damn other right. cargo facility, and uh, then you get to the, the the executor, the, the Super Star Destroyer which is, you know, because you've been in so many Empire styled tunnels, it doesn't feel like ooh, I'm I'm on a special ship this time. It, it is a bit samey. Mm-hmm. And again, you're hijacking or kind of hijacking a kind of cargo ship. There's a couple there's a sort of cool sequence at the end when you're sorting out this cargo where you're pressing buttons and seeing a big crate rotate in 3D outside out the window until you can mm-hmm. get on it through a doorway. It's another rotating kitchen implement puzzle but but hey you work with what you got and i think that was would have been impressive if i'd ever gotten that far in
1: the game uh in the 90s the arc hammer is just tons and tons of dark troopers basically you're trying to get them hung up on some piece of geometry yeah that's the thing i love about
0: dark troopers which is they're menacing creatures but they can't go through doors so you just (laughs) open a door fire a rocket (laughs) hide open the door again Fire the rocket. It's a strategy
2: that that holds true for for, for pretty much every shooter for about 10, 15 years. It's just shoot somebody <laughs> through a door, right. an open door, and they won't come and right. get you. Just keep on at it until eventually they fall over. This one also, the the arc was really sort of platforming madness. Just super fast conveyor belts and crushers, and um, right. it, it really started oh, feeling crushers. like a Mario, God. like
1: like a you know late era Mario. The crushers level. in this level are so fast. Past. yes the crushers are like hyperactive you can't just run through them at 40 miles per hour because you just something will destroy yeah, and you what
2: are they what are they crushing anyway in the art hammer i mean let's get real here kyle um, katarns <laughs> i guess so. clearly
1: i mean that's just, they got to recycle a lot of cans of of perry air from space balls in order to make those dark troopers so they're <laughs> i think that's so, so it's it actually a giant um, recycling facility you blew up good job real green yes the empire is going green guys The final boss is Ram Mock himself. Ram Emanuel himself, ex mayor of Chicago. Maybe that's who he's based on. <laughs> Is Ram, does Rahm Emanuel have a Phase 3 Dark Trooper suit like You Ryan know, I wouldn't does? put it past him. He, he seems like the kind of guy who might keep a human zoo. This seemed a lot like like the Mecha-Hitler boss fight in Wolfenstein 3D. Well, Mach has this awesome like
0: guided missile thing that just follows you. You can't avoid them. It's very yeah. it's very tough.
1: Yeah. But he doesn't take many more hits than a Phase 2 Dark Trooper. That's true. I mean, he's not... wasn't very physically fit, to be fair. Yeah, and the cutscenes, he That's true. He definitely he had a gut but he loses that for the action figure i'm telling you guys you gotta look up the action figure He's it is really... a puzzle to me
2: that such a character would have an action figure that is mind-boggling it is
1: isn't it so so that's the game as we, we already talked about the exit cut scene where uh darth vader is mildly disappointed and it kind of sets up a future game where maybe kyle katarn will have force powers or something Maybe there's a little respect from Darth Vader seeing Kyle Katarn basically wreck not just like an individual super soldier, but like an entire super soldier program is pretty impressive. <laughs> Darth Vader's not the only guy who was impressed by Kyle Katarn's exploits. PC Gamer in their May 95 issue gave this game a 92%. And what was their big criticism of it? Can anyone guess? Multiplayer. There's Mm -hmm. none. Yeah. That was why this didn't become the next Doom is because there was there was no cooperative or competitive experience to be had in any way. It was only single player. I mean to
2: be fair, there wouldn't really be a cooperative story-based uh uh 3D shooter until
1: what Halo or? Yeah, but actually the default multiplayer mode of Doom is cooperative with oh, really? monsters. If you want to play oh my God Yeah, if you wanna play what we consider to be a modern deathmatch, you have to pass the no monsters and deathmatch flags to Doom when you launch it it was originally conceived as a co- as a cooperative that multiplayer is game. actually brand news to me
2: i have never heard of such a thing but can
1: you imagine if this thing if it had land support this is a game that has jumping crouching arbitrary geometry and alternate fire for all of its weapons right and it is moddable many of the files are just plain text files if they had made this multiplayer this would be unreal tournament in 1995 so on the one hand it's this incredible single player experience this incredible sort of artistic achievement but also a huge missed opportunity to become a phenomenon on the level of a Doom and it's it's sad that, that that didn't work out and and the fans the fans were just uh upset that there were no jedi or force powers in a Star Wars game and so LucasArts gave the fans what they wanted in the remaining games in the series but also lost some of, like you said, the the simplicity and the and the yeah, and it's it, you, you
2: feel more like part of the universe and less like a, a god, you know, um, which which is you know one, one thing that PC gamer sort of did praise. A lot was fighting for a cause, you know, against enemies you recognize. That, that every, everybody right. knows is, you know, what a what a stormtrooper looks like and that kind of thing. And and that right. would have been a new thing to experience in any kind of fidelity. I mean, I suppose there were like Super NES games or something where you would have been doing that, but you know, it was it was it felt yeah. a lot closer to a new movie. You know, right. new characters, new plot,
1: epic scale. Yeah, it it had the immersive graphics and the immersive soundscape with you inhabiting a character who makes sense within this universe so the game went on to be the 10th best-selling game of the period 93 to 99 it sold over nine hundred and fifty-two thousand copies it was very nearly a million seller and would be followed by jedi knight dark forces 2 as well as uh jedi knight 2 jedi outcast and then uh jedi academy all of which focus on the continuing exploits of kyle katarn now as a space god jedi yes i'm a god i'm a god now Guys, I've got the force. I'm a god. Sorry. Thinking of it though. <laughs> so, the, there was a modding community for this game, but it never had anything like the size of Doom's. And I think it's because of the lack of multiplayer. You could only create more single player experiences. There's some websites like uh, df 21.net that still host some of these level sets and mods. And some of them are very impressive. Um, but in number, they're just few. There's also like a dark excel hardware accelerated version of this game
0: now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There's a couple mods that, that improve it quite a bit. Um, One thing I noticed was the the one fact that I found was actually from 1996 – it was the definitive fact and i don't know why cuz it was damn near useless to me but um the, the guy who wrote it he got access to Darren Stinnett who i think developed the the engine is that right and and asked him some questions for modders' sakes at the at the end of this
1: fact he's one i think he's credited as the director of the game is
2: that yeah correct? maybe yeah he's at any rate he you know he was a uh, he was a big wig on on dark forces and, yeah. and was was able to answer some questions for modders with some, some interesting factoids I thought, from a technical standpoint, he he said some stuff that I couldn't, that I didn't see anywhere else about Dark Forces. He says it's comprised of two 3D engines, one that's geared for high speed and has some geometry restrictions, like sloped floors, and one that's slower, but Mm -hmm. doesn't have any geometry restrictions. So you, at some point late in the game, you're fighting robotized arms, turrets and things. Right, yeah, the welding arms. Yeah, that are full full 3D, but they're untextured. The the player can only have very simple collisions with the full 3D geometry. Thus, it isn't suitable for normal level geometry that you can walk on, which I thought, yeah, that was, you know, so he was asking about right. sloped floors and mods, but you sort of get this little tidbit about how they made these true 3D objects in Dark Forces.
1: It's actually like multiple 3D engines jammed together. So if there's so much flexibility in there compared to Doom, you can create a much more interesting space with it. Yeah, with those with those tools sort of crammed together, it, it works to feel like a, a real leap from Doom. Did any of you guys read about the proposed remake of Dark Forces? I did yeah so it's a. Uh, it seems like the kind of project that will get shut down as soon as enough people do as soon as enough people know about this so everybody nobody tell Disney but uh, Jason Lewis who's an artist at the developer Obsidian Entertainment said he was doing a fan remake earlier this year after doing some sort of background work on this earlier this year said he was doing a fan remake of Dark Forces in Unreal Engine 4 and he's released screenshots from a number of levels like the first three or four levels and it is playable uh, two months ago he wrote that I'm hoping to have it playable by End of the year, environments are getting close to done. Unfortunately, character work is still problematic. As I mentioned, I have a guy building a stormtrooper, but I still need a couple more characters. Then rigging and animation, as I'm not a character artist. Uh, then comes the ordeal of figuring out how to script the AI with blueprints, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's actually made a considerable amount of progress. In the the early video that leaked out, and then also the the screenshots that um, Jason himself has released are really impressive. It's an HD remake on the level of the HD remake of System Shock that's been put together and not surprisingly night dive studios that did the system shock remaster and remake have indicated that they're interested in doing a dark forces remake and they basically tweeted at disney being like we want to make this reality and like disney was like crickets they tweeted back a lawsuit <laughs> yeah exactly they, they tweet back a, a D. uh yeah basically so who knows where that's going to go um speaking of them i know
0: you want to go into the canon i just want to give my piece which is okay kyle tarn stole death star plans and yet rogue one yes. steals it away I'm very upset about it. I'm so upset. I'm signing off this podcast. You guys talk about the canon. Screw them. Okay, yeah, you're you're rage quitting.
1: I'm rage quitting. <laughs> Bye. It'll always be Kyle to Alan. It'll always be, it should be Kyle. I, I mean, so the, the impact on the canon, the other LucasArts Star Wars games, they had some impact on the canon as well and that they would show up in the extended universe books and things like that. And and Dark Forces is no different. Dark Forces, the whole series was novelized uh, into these like hardcover graphic novels. Novels by William C. Dietz. And then he shows up in a number of other extended universe novel series like the New Jedi Order series, the Darkness trilogy, the Legacy of the Force novels. It should be noted that the general consensus on these works in which Kyle Katarn appears is that they are not the world's greatest literature. <laughs> that's just the internet speaking. That's not That's not me. I'm sure someone's going to win the Nobel Prize for literature for a Kyle Katarn novel at some point, but don't necessarily seek these things out. More interestingly, Hasbro produced toys of not just Kyle Katarn and the Dark Trooper, but also of Rom Mock. Yes. And Amazing. So, yeah, so the, the Rom one looks nothing like Rom in this game. I think Rom shows up in some um, animated series or something in a comic book because it's in their Hasbro's 2009 comic pack uh, Star Wars figure series. Uh, that's so recent as well. It just makes no sense 15 years after the game. I, Ron Mock's got a big fan base. I mean... Wait, this is what's going to cause me to rage quit this podcast. I, I try to verify. This is this is a show, I try to take it seriously. I try to verify the things, the claims that I see on Wikipedia before I repeat them to our podcast audience. And so when they said that there were Dark Forces action figures, I went on eBay to look to see what I could find. And right away, I found the Kyle Katarin action figure from Kenner's 1998 Expanded Universe series, and I was disgusted. And the reason I was disgusted is that the picture that appears on the backing cart of of Kyle Katarn's 1998 action figure is Justin Chin's art of him from the game. But Kenner has Photoshopped it and added Kyle Katarn's facial hair from the later games onto Justin Chin's original artwork. So uh, now he has a he has a chin
2: strap. Unconscionable late 90s retcon edition there. Make him, make him look like every new metal band guy in the late
1: 90s. If you don't believe me, go... On eBay right now, and look for Kyle Katarn's action figure, and you'll see you'll see that image of Kyle from the first cutscene, but with this ridiculous facial hair put on him. And it was just like, no, you, you can't have that generation Kyle Katarn retcon with facial hair. No,
2: unacceptable. I, I think it should be like the Matrix, where those of us who appreciate Dark Forces just never consume or think about later iterations of Kyle, later iterations of Dark forces and just stick with firing our pew pew blasters and uh and not touching the force and it's uh devil magic yes the
1: the force and it's devil magic
2: Yes. Um, uh, it's it's such a strong dart to this series, and, and I can't really actually diss on on the, the uh, sequels that much because I haven't played them, but they, they don't occupy the same sort of important space, I think, in history yeah. of these this very significant game genre um, the way that Dark Forces yeah.
1: does. Well, it has to do, I think, with the timing of them in that the sequels to Dark Forces are some very early 3D games. Some of the very first 3D accelerated games on PC are those Jedi Knight games. And so the graphics are very of that era. It's very experimental, like 3D platforming. The mechanics of that hadn't been settled yet or refined. Dark Forces, the original, is an incredible refinement of what Doom brought to the FPS genre. It refines and enhances I, it. I'd
2: argue that 2.5D didn't go a lot further than Dark Forces. I think your next big step is Quake. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that yeah. like Shadow Warrior, you know, had simultaneous rooms over rooms and, and uh, uh, outlaws. But at that point, you know, you were so close to True 3D.
1: Quake comes out mid '96, right? Duke Nukem 3D, oh, it comes out early '96. The Shareware version comes out in early '96. So yeah, so the, the build engine that Duke Nukem 3D and Shadow Warrior and those other games are going to use is equivalent to, or a little bit per- superior in some regard, to what's used in Dark Forces. But it's not coming for another year, and pretty much everything that could be done in that game is being explored—the platforming challenges, things like that—all that's being explored in Dark Forces. So I, this is basically, like you said, this. Is about as good as 2.5d gets and then we don't we don't get to see what better technology can do for the genre until quake
2: to give you a, an idea of comparison that i would say the next best thing that came out at the same time would have been rise of the triad um with mm-hmm. with apogee which came out in february 1995 so there you go Ra- rise of the triad on a on a technical level you know it does move doom forward a bit no it's enhanced wolfenstein 3d well, yes exactly it's that's, not even doomed. that's how it feels uh, yeah. from, from what i remember and and that came out literally within a few days of dark forces and that was that was that would have been the top tier of what was competing technologically with it the the thing that made it not a complete cultural force i think was the lack of multiplayer but on a a technological level dark
1: forces is pretty unimpeachable in that space of time yeah and it's it's the it's the marriage of its technical merit with its artistic merit that makes it worth playing
2: yeah story story actually exists which for those years is is something special and and, um, and character yeah. and uh, voices and 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 just the art generally, except for the the Kel dragons, <laughs> is yeah really on a uh, on a special level. And obviously, the fact that it's Star Wars helps it gain a fan base, but it stands on its own very strongly on its all its other merits as well.
1: We've come to the end of our discussion of Dark Forces. So normally it's a full episode uh, about all the releases in a month. And we play through all the demos on PC Gamers demo disc from that month. We're going to get back to that with our next episode, but we will do occasional special episodes like this with special guests to talk about really uh, sort of landmark titles Thank you to everyone who's listened. Thank you uh, for those especially who have subscribed and who have attempted to uh, rate and review us in your podcast subscription service of choice. Uh, I'd like to remind you that we are on Twitter and Instagram as at SmugInPlay, where you can find out uh, behind the scenes things about games we're playing, the hardware that we're using to play it. Uh, Our blog at SmugInPlay.com is running some articles on how I restored my Pentium 100 in order to play games of the 1995 Vintage. And please tune in two weeks from now uh, when we're going to have our proper February 1995 episode talking about all the other wonderful things that happened in this exciting month of February. I think we might have you back to talk about Descent. Oh my god, don't make me play Descent again. (laughs) no <laughs> no i mean uh, it's, it's, uh i love descent just uh, <laughs> have some dramamine before you play just a couple <laughs> dramamine pills yeah I, I might need it these days um all right
2: uh, yeah but uh sorry sorry to interrupt finish your sign off whatever you've got uh, that's my whole sign off i'll i'll just uh say uh you know listen out if i'm back uh
1: with you guys at smug and play but it's been a pleasure And it's been our honor to host you. And thank you for, for sharing your Dark Forces experiences. My pleasure. All right. Till next time. Take care. See ya. See ya.